that out. I did tell you that I'm endeavoring to tie off all of my my business that that has to be done with the transition I personally have been through. I'm trying to I'm endeavoring to tie it off in 30 days, which that would be either the 11th of September or the 16th. However, her service was on the 16th. So I'm endeavoring to tie all that off. So I'm really, really busy right now trying to get my stuff done so that I can get back in here and go full strength. I don't know if y'all know it, but I've been just kind of, you know, I still hadn't got, oh gosh, I still hadn't got Kathleen's tape made. And it's like, okay, what's that? But I'm working on stuff. So I, I'll, I'm going to do better here at the middle, in the middle of September. I'm going to be back to full strength. It says in Isaiah 23, 26, excuse me, verse 3. Let's read it together. I'm in the King James. Do the best you can. Ready? Read. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Okay, let's turn it back to first person. Uh, he will keep me in perfect peace. My mind is stayed on him because I trust in him. Let's do that one again. Uh, <laughs> he will keep me in perfect peace. My mind is stayed on him because I trust in him. You need to have a star out there by that. You need to have that kind of something or another uh, wrinkly spot on your page because uh, we want that perfect peace. And we looked at this in the Hebrew where the word perfect peace is actually a double word, shalom, shalom. How unusual is that? You know, peace, the, the peace of God is amazing, but it's shalom, shalom, translated perfect peace. Whose mind, so that's our will, our emotions, uh, is stayed, fixed, abiding unwavering, undeterred. It's focused on Him. And it means that we have decided to trust Him. Deciding to trust Him is a decision. It's something. It's not something you just wake up and say, well, I see I've trusted a little bit. You, you, the same thing with marriage. You, you marry that old hound dog and, and he's good and he's, he loves you and he does for you, but every once in a while... He's, he's not going to be just what you want him to be and the other way. And you, you start making decisions based on that, and you're going to wreck it. You just have to decide. Love is a decision. It's, it's not a feeling. It's not adding the good and the bad and seeing where the balance is. You, you just have to decide, you know, Debbie told me, said, I'm in this for companionship, so don't be running off to the farm, which I did, and don't be... I mean, I, I already had a good life, and companionship's what I got you for, and we just decided. So you just have to decide about that and a lot of things. Your job is not something that you go, it's got to be a feeling, it's got to look good and feel good, and they got to all treat me good, but there's, you know, they're not Christian, so they're treating me bad. you got to just decide. While God wants me here, I'm going to be a trooper. And the moment he springs me loose, I'm going to rejoice and move on. It, this stuff is just a decision. It's not a feeling. And so we have our emotions here. Our mind has to be fixed on Him. you got to say, I'm going to church not because I feel like it or the bed's, uh, you know, not comfortable because it's perfect on Sunday morning. That's the most perfect time of your bed. It turns into some fluffy thing that just wraps you up and warms you up, and it's just so perfect on Sunday morning. It'll throw you out on Thursday, but Sunday it wraps you up. Well, you have to just decide. 
I'm not putting up with this. I'm going to rise up and go to church. Not just go, show up and see what he's got. I'm going to go and make a contribution. I'm going to, I'm going to worship God. So we, we need to trust him more, and we all know that. Um, so we looked at last week about how we keep our minds stayed on him, and we looked in James chapter 1. So let's look there just for a minute. I'm, I want to go a different way tonight. I always want to minister on things that are relevant, that, that, that help you the next day. Not some etherical, wild-eyed thing that, you know, the mark of the beast or the giants of Genesis 6. You know, I'm, I'm interested in that. You know, was there a pre-Adamic race? I, I'm fixated, but that's not what we need. That's not going to help tomorrow. So we've got, to, we've got to change every day that we sit under the Word. It says in, in uh, James chapter 1, verse uh, 23. Uh, where am I? Verse 21, excuse me. Uh, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. So we, we could look at that and spend some time, but we know what that means. If you know what you're doing. You know where your thoughts are. You know what, what's not right. I do. I know what's right. I got some things that I'm working on. I'm casting down imaginations. I'm bringing into captivity and obedience every thought. I am. You know, and you say, really, Pastor? Well, sure. I, I got a flesh suit just like you do. And I'm, you, just, you have to fight stuff that people put in you and things you see. This is a, this is a pretty perverse world we're living in. And we're all uh, fighting for the middle. And he said, and when you do that, receive with meekness... The engrafted word, the engrafted word, the word that, that, that gets in you. You can't get a word, you can't, you, can't, you can't live on a word that you don't put in you and engraft it, that you don't sow it into you, that you don't make it a part of you. If you're a tither, and I know we all are, that thing had to be engrafted. And until you engraft it, it's just, it's just torture. The tithing word is torture until you engraft it. Let me tell you, it's hard in the lean times to let go of 10%. If you're making 10000 a week or you're making 100 a week, it's, it's a, it's a, it, you have to engraft that word. And until then, it's a struggle. But once it's in, it's like you've got 10 toes and we, we're, not, we're not willing to give up any of them. They're, they're engrafted. They're on us. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do is, is get a word engrafted in us so we can live on it. It's not enough to just say, I know I ought to do. We've got to get it where we live on it, where we depend on it, where when things go the other way, we fall back to that. And it, it gives us solace. It gives us that, that word where uh, shalom, shalom. Our mind is fixed on Him. A tither should never be in fear. It's a covenant work, and it ties us to Him. It's not that He needs our money. He does not. But unless we give it to Him, we don't have it engrafted in us. When we just, you know, when it's taken from us, then we, we, we're not engrafted, and it does not give us a covenant grace. So we're afraid. Tithers, non-tithers are afraid. They are petrified of the future. And some tithers are because you can tell they're not engrafted. They're not, it's not engrafted. It's not a part of their life. Uh, 
you have to you have to put lying aside just for an example because little white lies are just they're a part of so many people's lives you have to stop it and so you have to deliberately stop it and engraft a word in there about truth <clears throat> so that's for example so uh, then he goes on in verse 22 um, and says but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only and then the that's just that's just a point but then he says deceiving your own selves so there's a penalty for hearing the word that you don't intend to do what is it you lose your balance you lose your perspective you don't know where you are you are deceived and the bible says i believe it's in timothy it says the deceiver becomes deceived. So if we deceive anyone thinking, ha, I took them, you know, they, they didn't see me coming and I, I got this good deal off of them and, and I deceived them. I manipulated them. Well, the Bible says, okay, you did it then, but then you become deceived. You, you lose your place to know what's right and uh, you become deceived. There is, no, there is no way a deceiver comes out. And that's just an example. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on those things. But it pays big to be a doer of the words you hear. We look at this, and, and, and he goes on here. says, For any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. He beholdeth himself, goeth his way, straight for, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So he doesn't have a sense of identity. And we know that you can't do or have beyond who you believe you are. And we'll talk about this another time, but because, uh, you know, it doesn't apply to this group. But surely we know that our children, their concept, their perception of who they are at a marriageable, a marriageable age determines on who they pick. If they, if they think that they are no good, if their daddy said you'll never amount to anything, they go find someone that fits them, not better than them. Not, they fit who they believe they are. They find them, and, and, and you can't talk them out of it. My baby is better than this. This guy doesn't deserve her. But that's who she sees herself being able to live with. And so if she's in trouble, she finds someone that's in trouble. Well, that's business partners. It's, it's everything. It's everything. We go after the mirror of who we see ourselves. We won't apply for a big job or a, a position if we don't see ourselves as capable and entitled in the Lord and promotion is our right and, and I can do all things through Christ and I'm more than... You, we won't do it if we say, well, I'm a worm and I hope they're hiring worms today. Well, you'll get a wormy job. It's so important to know who you are in Him and to, and because it's not like, well, I'd rather listen to prosperity or I'd rather hear about healing. If you'll find out who you are in Him, then you'll put on healing. I have a right to healing. The devil's not taking my health. And in Jesus, you'll start demanding who you are. I'm a covenant man. I'm a tither. I'm in, I'm, I'm the, I'm in place for heaven to open and give me what I need. You'll, you'll start... It'll just start coming out of you. <laughs> the first time I had a stent put in, back in 93, I had a stent put in in West Texas. 
I'd been to a restaurant in Dallas, and then we drove all the way home. And I had been at Cheddar's, actually, and had the, <laughs> the cheesy fries. <laughs> and I don't know. Debbie said it didn't, that wasn't it. But I was loaded. I had tanked up on everything. And so I, was, I had a little episode, and they, they put a stint in me. So as they were, uh, they were unloading me at, uh, in Lubbock, that doctor said, uh, says, uh, says here you're a pastor. And, and I, I'm just out of it. And, and he said, what kind of pastor are you? And I said, I'm a good one. <laughs> I didn't know for days that he wasn't fishing for that. I said, I'm a good one. I'm a good pastor. Well, I was under, I was under the influence, I guess. But see, that's who I saw myself. I'd been a farmer, and that meant, you know, I didn't shave, and I had a bill cap, and I didn't, I didn't cut my hair. I just was, I was woolly, and I was working hard. And so uh, when I became a pastor, everybody just, that's who I was to everybody. So I had to put on, I didn't even see anybody all day unless I went to the post office. I put on a coat and a tie every day in a town of 7,000 and farmers in just that West Texas. Nobody had on a coat and tie except the banker. And I, but I was changing me. I was making sure that I was not who I was. I had been made who he had made me. And I reprogrammed myself, even though it was a lot of trouble, and I looked weird. I'd go to the post office like I was First Baptist, like I was, yeah, we got 300 sewed up Sunday, but, you know, it was a vacation, day. it was a holiday, so the other half did. I was just full of myself. So when he said, what kind of pastor are you, it jumped out of me. I am a good pastor. Debbie laughed. <laughs> she said, Amen. You got to put it on because it's not what happens day to day. It's when the door opens and an opportunity comes at you, you got to reel it in right then. The kingdom is opportunities, if it's nothing else. And you got to be able to, to handle it based on who you are. You, you don't have time for a week to lather up and confess some things and make a deal. You got to. It's based on who you are. So your babies are marrying who they think they are, and you are making business partners with who you think you are. Everything is based on who you believe you are. Not what you say, but who you believe you are. And so, uh, so it's real important here. And then in verse 25, it says, uh, here it is. This message is on how to be blessed. So whosoever, but, he's got this word, but, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty doesn't just look in a glass and see himself. He looks into the Word of God. Family, we've got to look into the Word of God and find out who we are. Who are you, Lisa? I am who the Word says I am, and nothing different. Well, I'm a little this, and I'm a little forgetful about that, and I don't do this well, and I don't read this, and I don't... Whatever people would say about themselves, their experience... You can't say that. You got, you got to say, I am who said, I'm the righteousness of God. Oh, that means you don't sin and you're just perfect and all that. I am the righteousness of God. That's the end of that. You got to do this. Well, I just want to get to the prosperity message and get to the good stuff. This is the good stuff. And it leads straight to that. That's why I said at the beginning of this, when I told God, I'll do anything and I will. I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere, but I expect to be funded. Well, that's bold talk back to God. It's kind of telling him, if you don't fund, I don't go. Well, you ought to go. No, I know who I am. 
the man of God is funded. And so, I mean, it's not like I'm asking him to do something. He says in here, I'll fund the man of God. I'll fund the woman of God. I'll fund them if they'll do what I say. I'll fund the obedient one. Uh, uh, willing and obedient is what Isaiah says. Eat the good of the land. So I, I just got that in me. I just put that in me. I'm funded. And I don't do anything that doesn't fund. It's kept me out of a lot of trouble. It'll keep you out of trouble. Don't go anywhere that you're not funded. Doesn't mean you have to be funded up front. You just have to tell God, I'm funded. We're not, and I, there was a lot of years I wasn't funded. I got a lot of debt. I got a lot of stuff in me. I mean, since pastoring, even since Tuscaloosa, I didn't know that. And so I allowed myself to be stripped down and, and, and uh, under a lot of pressure. Y'all know about pressure from being in debt or, you know, not getting your bills paid or, you know, but doing a good thing. Just, just doing a good thing. Unwilling to take another job. Just, nope, I'm funded. I'm not taking another job. I'm funded in the kingdom. Anybody can do this if they go get another job, but that's not who I am. And so I'm funded. You ought to get funded. If you don't believe you're funded, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lay hold of the word and say, the word I hear, I intend to do. If the, if the word comes and says, given it shall be given, I'm in. Here, and this church is. So I'm not talking, I'm not trying to move anything. I'm just saying, it's like, I'm giving. I'm giving in an offering. We said a lot of years ago, don't say it anymore, you ought to give in every offering. That's the reason. You ought to give in every offering. You go, well, we're, that's a lot of trouble. Let me just give up at the beginning of the month and just, you know, just one big, nope. You've you got to come to God with your hand open, excuse me, your hand full, so that when you draw it back, you can draw back God. It's a faith thing. It's like putting a coat and tie on in Seminole, Texas. They laughed at me, but I outlasted all of them. Hallelujah. And you will too. So uh, I'm still in verse 25. Uh, him not being a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This man. So point to yourself and say, this one. This one shall be blessed in his deed. So we looked at that. It means empowered to prosper. So just say, just say, it's not too hard, it's not too difficult, you can do it. God's not going to put any more on you than, than you can stand, that you're going to be a doer of His Word. The, the Word you hear, you're going to be inspired in advance. You're going to take it, uh, you're going to sign the check that doesn't have the amount in, and say, Lord, whatever your Word says, I'm going to do it. I don't know how, it seems... It seems hard. It seems like I'm going to not have any fun. It just, and that's why we don't do it, is because we're like, I don't, I'll, I'll do the ones I want to. I'll do the words that, that, in, nope. You got to be a doer of the word. Why? Because he said, this one will be blessed in his deed. Y'all, it's simple. The, the gospel is easy. It's blessed. It's, it's easy. His yoke is easy. What is it? Just do the words you hear. You know, the, uh, Mary, uh, the Lord Jesus' mother said, whatever he says to you, what did she say? Do it. Well, he's not going to tell you to do things. You're not going to hear words that are weird and crazy. You're not, he's, not gonna, he's just going to tell you the word for you and then the general word for everybody. It's just easy. And I look back in my life and say, well, how come it worked for you? Because I have a lot of pastor friends. I'm not as many as I want, but I, you know, I have a few and I've had a few more. And I go, and they just, they look at me and her and say, how come y'all are so blessed? Because it always works out for us. 
I've had three houses in Tuscaloosa. Moved here in 1997. Bought a new house in Hillcrest Meadows. New house. We were coming down here for a used one, and the Lord said, I want you in new. So we bought a new house. And then we traded it for a house in Hinton Place. New house. I wasn't wanting a new house, but he said new house. Moved out of that one last year into new house. Now, I'm not telling you that if you don't have a new house that you're not as good or not as... But I'm just saying that was the word we heard. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. We did it. I've had used cars. I'm in a used car right now. Whitey is a used car. (laughs) And she's, she's good. So I'm not trying to put a new house on anybody, and I'm not saying I've done better or anything. I I hope that doesn't come across. I'm just saying you can have more once you decide to be a doer of the word you hear. And and, and, And I'm honest, mostly that's what we did. We would say yes to every word he said. Not just because it was in the Bible. I mean, you you can read everything, but he would it, it would it would come alive, and you you'd see it. You'd you'd know that's my word. I hear it, and I'm going to do it. We said yes to come to Alabama. I know that's an old story, and y'all know it, but but it was the spirit of faith that came on us to do it. Because if I told you the whole story, you'd be scary. I wouldn't do it now. I'm not in special faith right now, and I wouldn't do what we did. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have faith for it because it was special faith. But I'm telling you, we moved here, and the impossible just fell, fell, fell. Because of the word we heard, we said we'll do it. We wrestled with the Alabama word for almost a year, had a prayer meeting, and Debbie said, uh, Lord, you, if you don't speak to us, I forget what the challenge was, but, you know, we're going to hear from you in this week-long prayer meeting at, uh, at Living Water. And uh, he spoke to her, Acts 13. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. We knew right then. We knew. It was over. We didn't say, oh, God, you know. We just said, yeah, we're in. And there's a power. There's a power to do what you say you'll do. The power doesn't come and you say, okay, I see the power and I'll do that. No, the word comes and when you say yes to the word, then the power comes to do it. That's why nothing's impossible to him who believes. Once you believe, the power to do the thing is released. So there's so much in this room because of that principle, we can take this city. And what I mean by that, we can host a move of God in Tuscaloosa. How are we going to do it? Just believe. That's the word he gave to us. He said, I want you to host a move of God in Alabama, which is obviously you've got to start it in Tuscaloosa. I want you to do it. Well, God, it doesn't look as good now, but I remind us all, since I'm just on it, that God told Gideon, you got too many boys to go up the hill. You all remember that? He said, I need to separate them and get the ones that are with you. Because if you take them all up there, we'll all come down, beat up. But if you take my bunch up there, the ones that are in with you in an agreement and have confidence, he said they'll go up and they'll take they'll take hold. And so he he separated thousands down to what was it, 130 or 100? 
Wasn't many. I'm impressed by that wasn't many story. All the, all the wasn't many stories I am impressed by. So, because uh, that's, that's just where I am right now. Okay, so um, I want you to go to 1 John 1, 9. We, I have messed this up as far as getting to my subject. But uh, 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 you got you got to know how to keep your mind stayed on Him. That's where I'm really going back to. How do I keep my mind stayed on Him? Well, you know this because He said He said, "Get rid of all naughtiness and superfluidity of." Well, get rid of sin is what He said, and so we know that that uh, you're not going to keep your mind fixed on God if you got sin in your life. Sin meaning missing the mark. Resisting the will and the word of God. Do you all get that? It's not like, well, you know, I've had bad thoughts or I stole something. Now, we're not talking about that in here. We're talking about just wrestling with the will of God that we already know. That's sin. Do you all believe it's sin? To wrestle. You go, well, I just don't want to. Well, it won't be sin long. Pretty soon, the Lord will let you go from that, but He's going to pull on you and, and ask you to because he's got this special place of blessing for you, and he's trying to do everything, he's doing everything in the kingdom to get you in the very best place that's possible based on what we've cooperated with in the past and how we've lined up. And so if you say no to anything, he doesn't get mad and whack you back and say this is bad. He just starts looking for the level of agreement that you can handle, but there's going to be a lower threshold but a lower reward. Y'all know that? It's just like, I don't want to do that, Lord. He said, well, I got plan B. Plan A was, you know, full in and, and everything you've ever dreamed about, exceeding and abundantly above. But I got this other plan. We can let you just do this. You don't, you don't want to do that and you don't want to do this and you, you don't think that's good. Okay, what can you do? What can you? Well, I can do this. I can show up two times a month. And I'll bring $10 each time. We got a place for that. God's got a place for everything. He will, it's the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. So wherever you want to plug in, God's good. But He's gooder. If you, the higher you can go, He's gooder. There's, you know, and if you say, Lord, I'm going to always be a doer, a, 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 a willing doer of the word I hear, He's got a skies is the limit place. You can't even measure that. It just keeps going up, and every time you say yes, he just raises the boot. You go, well, how come some people are blessed? This is it. They just say yes. Not, not because they know or because they feel powerful or because they have a big understanding. They just say yes to little stuff. You go in the nursery? Sure. Didn't ask, do you like it? No, I don't like it. Don't like those little guys. I don't like the poopy diapers. I don't like it. I want to be in the service where where the sound man. He's got a job, but he gets to be in every service. I want to be the sound man. Well, you gotta, you know. So you just say yes. Have you said yes to things that you didn't really like? But you just said yes to Jesus. And sure enough, behind door number one, Bob, was the nursery was door number one, but when you open that, it was a blessing. An avenue, a strategy that you didn't really know was behind the nursery 
door or the giving the $10 door. You know, God says, I want to give, I want you to give $10. Ah, Debbie always said the Lord got her birthday money. She had a hundred dollars that from birthday or somebody would send her and she had it tucked in back there. And she said, I know God's going to get it. And sure enough, she'd tell me six months later, he got my birthday money this morning. Well, she just gave it easy. As soon as she knew it was time. And that's why you are. That's how you've gotten where you are. That's why you're here tonight, is you've qualified for more. You've qualified for Him to give you more to qualify for. Well, God, when are we going to get to the place where you don't have to qualify? No, nope. life down here is a faith life. And you never get to just sit back and say, we're not going to live by faith. That place is called heaven. There's no, required in, no faith required in heaven. Just live large in heaven. No devil, no sickness, no it's all there. But down here, you take one week off, one month off, and just backslide and just go to the end. Listen, trouble's coming. Where am I? Praise God. Well, I wrote down here that sin and the upright mind cannot work together. So that's what that means, is we just got to get resistance out of our life and just say, God, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to, to do what you ask me. Now, I'm not necessarily volunteering for the nursery or anything else. But if, if I get unction that you want me to go in there, children's church, whatever, or I'm just using that for an example. I'm not really talking about helps. It's just whatever. Uh, Lord, I'll do it. I'm telling you, God can use that. He does use that. And according to James, that's how he does it. The man that is a doer of the word he hears is blessed in his deeds means not just to say I will, but actually goes out and does them. Well, here in 1 John chapter 1, we're talking about sin not working. You've got to get rid of sin, rebellion and all that. And it says in verse 9, if, you confess, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, the reason I'm on this is because I was with Pastor West this, this week for a couple of days, and he was telling me about word of faith. Word of faith, which is where we all came from. And uh, we're moving, well, we moved through the Baptist or the Methodist, and then we moved through the charismatic, and then we moved through, I hope you're moving through word of faith. I hope that nothing is the end, that you don't believe that anybody at any particular place has it all, because it's just, it has what we can tolerate and how we can transition. So he was telling me about, he's a grace guy, and uh, he was telling me how most word of faith preachers, and I could, I could name them. Let me back up. Creflo Dollar, just last year or two, became a grace guy, and he changed. And they, he told me that his, he's at Kenneth Copeland's, he's at the minister's meeting, and when you order the minister's meeting, there's 16 speakers or whatever. There's only 15 CDs. They take Creflo's out because he preaches on what I'm about to tell you. He preaches on it, and they take it out, and it's not available. What do they preach? They preach, Word of Faith preaches, I never have. I never have. I don't believe it. I was Word of Faith, but I did not ever do it. That God forgives your sin when you're born again. He forgives your past and up to today, but based on 1 John 1, 9... If you die with unconfessed sin, 
you're going to hell. Now you may say, I never heard that. It only comes up when somebody presses it, like a lot of doctrines. So I was asking him who, and he went down a big boy list and said, I have documentation. Well, we're not here to blow them out. We're not here to disparage any of them, but I'm here to make sure you don't think wrong. Let me tell you what God says in 1 John 1, 9. He said, if we confess our sins, and that's so. this is what they're basing the whole thing on, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the implication there is, is that if you didn't confess your sin, you're unrighteous. And everybody knows the unrighteous cannot inherit the kingdom, can't, can't go to heaven. Do you all know that? There's no, there's no unrighteousness in heaven. You all got that? Well, so what does this scripture mean? Because there's no other scripture that tells this. There's no other scripture that, that sets this. So this scripture here gives you a sin consciousness because you, you don't have to sin every day. I hope you're not. But there's a lot of missing the marks going on with everybody. And I'll tell you about myself. I don't always know until down the road that that was a transgression. I, he, he, he prompts me and says, I don't like what you did. Lord, what do you mean? <laughs> Let me tell you what you said to this situation and how you addressed it. I don't like that. That's poor mouthing or that's, yeah, I don't, it's not me. And, you know, I, so I'll repent. Don't y'all? Well, what if, what if you went to glory or wanting to go to glory in between that and then? And here's, but here's what they say. There's no room. There's no room for unconfessed sin in your life, which means that you, uh, you become unborn again for that span before you confess it. Now, doesn't it sound crazy? Yeah. Well, that's because you've been taught that it's crazy. But I'm telling you, a lot, a lot of the kingdom does not believe that. I remember going into the jail and talking about the little grandma that went to church, Assembly of God Church, and she helped with the, you know, the bakery and, and selling pies for the bazaar and all that sort of stuff and loved her grand sugars, so was church all the time, but never, met, never got born again. Just assumed she was a member of the church that that was taken care of. Then we looked then in, the, in the jail. I would pan over here to a serial killer, ruthless. They caught him, and he just had, you know, it was gory and terrible, and it was just repulsive. But on the way down death row to get electrocuted or whatever, he spent a couple hours with a minister, and he had had a tender heart after all that and got born again. So I asked the guys. They're all in orange suits, and I'm the door's here. They're there because they told me, don't ever let them get between you and the door. And I would tell them, who's going to heaven? Well, Grandma's going to heaven. Well, who's going to hell? Doodle Dog that was so bad, he's going to hell. And I'd say, well, the kingdom is, is, it's what you do with Jesus. It's not based on works. It's not based on good things or good thoughts or, or bad things. It's based on what you do with Jesus. Now, you all know this, but I'm just telling it. So Grandma never did anything with Jesus. She, he, she, he was just a part of her life, but never got born again. And you know you're not born again until you're born again. Just, it just slipped, she just slipped through, went to hell. Oh, they got mad, and they started getting up and, you know, yelling right there at their table. No, no, 
this man is, and the guards came. (laughs) But it happens all the time in church. Creflo Dollar teaches just now. He teaches now just what I just told you. And they take his CD out of the minister's packet. And so I went down, well, how about him? And how about him? And how about him? All of them. Larry Hutton, who is a really, we've, we, we've never had him, but he's, he's, he's been around a long time. He has been converted, but he said that if he was to preach what I just told you in many churches, they would stop him in the middle of his message and escort him out. It is such a vital issue. It's so sensitive. So I'm here to tell you what the truth is, and I, and I, and I don't have time for that. But you, as you know, the mouth is important. The new birth comes into you by the mouth. Is that right? We confess Jesus. And sin goes out of the body through the mouth. So the mouth is important. So it's important that everything we do, we do it by the mouth. So let me ask you this. Where is righteousness? We're a three-part being. Where is righteousness? Someone tell me. Where is righteousness? Is it, is it in your body, your soul, or your spirit? It's in your spirit, man. Down here, the belly. The, the river place. Now, where is condemnation? Where does that come? Guilt and shame. It's in your soul. Okay, now let's read this as if there was a three-part being involved. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, can you be unrighteous as a born-again man or woman of God can you enter into the place? Before you answer, let me just tell you, there's, I've got three scriptures that talk about being sealed. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's 2 Corinthians 1, he said, who hath sealed us. Ephesians 1.13, you were sealed with that Holy Ghost of promise. Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed. So we are sealed, aren't we? We're not like Adam and Eve, who were not sealed. We are sealed. And so can you become unrighteous in your spirit? Can sin touch your spirit? Not if you're sealed. So where is all sin? It's in the soul and in the flesh. The flesh says, let's, let's, let's do it. And the soul puts down the green flag or the red flag and says, no, we're not doing that. Because the spirit's pulling. Or it says... Yeah, I'm in. It <laughs> sounds good. Let's do it. So, so where, how can you be cleansed of all unrighteousness if you cannot be unrighteous from the new birth? Cannot be. Am I, am I telling, can you sin and still be righteous? Absolutely. We all do. Every sin we've ever, every missing the mark was done by a righteous man or woman of God. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be made, created, fashioned the righteousness of God in him. So you cannot, sin cannot touch you. Romans says sin shall not have dominion over you. It'll fly over, it'll mess you up, it'll it'll whack you out. But down here, you're going to heaven. It's what you did with Jesus. So... With that in mind, it says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, are we forgiven or are we unforgiven when we sin? Is, let, let, let's just take it back to the world. 
does Jesus have to get on the cross for somebody to get saved? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him, just believe, he's already paid the price, shall not perish but have everlasting life. So this thing has been paid in advance. Anybody that signs up, it's already done. Jesus already looked ahead and said, I'll take care of Billy, Billy Joe and I'll just take care of him now whether he ever says it or not. So we are, it says here, uh, faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, now, I, have you ever looked at tracts? Lots of tracts say this. You want to get born again. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess my sins. I ask Jesus to come into my heart. That is error. I mean, it's, it's, it's honest error if you say that, but you don't have to confess your sins. What, how do you get born again? What does the Bible say we have to... Do we have to confess our sins to be born again? No. Romans 10 says, If thou wilt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, it never ever says, deal with them dirty dog sins. You better get every one of them out. Every one of them be accounted, because if you leave one little rat in there, you're going down. That's crazy. You can't make this doctrine work, but it's so handy. I found a scripture. I, it's, it's in 2 Corinthians 3.9. It says, For if the ministration of condemnation is glory, be glory. So condemnation has a glory. Did you know you can get people saved? Sort of. By condemning them. You dirty rats. You're no good. You're, you know... Condemn, oh, I feel so bad. Jesus, come in. And they'll go down and squall at the altar and carry on and because of condemnation. That says, if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So there's a glory to condemnation, but it's not the way we're going to live. You'll go back on that. You'll say, I don't feel like I want to be condemned. You'll go back. You'll backwalk it just like you will your diet. You'll see it in the refrigerator and you'll eat the whole... I don't know what you'll do, but I have... I ate a whole bag of potato chips one time. I mean the whole bag. The three dollar... The three... The whole bag. My kids, they're still just riding me. Paul, you don't never do nothing wrong. I ate the whole greasy bag. I didn't feel good for two days. <laughs> but boy, I had a time. So, we'll do this another time. But y'all y'all need to know. God paid for your sin in advance. In advance, everything you'll ever do. So where what, I gotta finish this and we'll quit. So where does he cleanse us from all unrighteousness? It's in our soul. You and I need to confess it out to just kind of, it's like water baptism. It, what does that do? It makes you know that you got born again. It becomes something a part of you. What does communion do? It, it's an act that we carry out that, that, that imprints us with, right now, I am taking his body. I'm taking his blood. And uh, confessing our sin, it goes out through the mouth out of our head, out of our soul, out of our, our mind, will, and emotions. And I'm telling you, you f you'll be clean. Were, were you going to hell because you were unrighteous? No. But condemnation or guilt will wreck you.
You won't be bold toward God. Devil, I cast you out. He'll say, yeah, I know what's in your life. Mm. But if you've confessed it out, it's as if you never did it. It already was. You're already born again. But you won't take authority over other sin or the devil or the flesh. So you confess it out. You agree with God. God, what I have just done, said, thought, whatever, I agree with your word that it's against you, against me, against my family, against my, the vision, the plan for me. And you just go on. You agree with God. And when you're done, you'll say, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness and I am now free as if I'd never sinned. And you'll walk out of that room and you'll be a devil buster. And you'll speak to your money. And you'll speak to your body. Whereas you won't if you don't confess it out. But you're just as clean on the inside, sealed. Isn't that good? I'm telling you, the body of Christ is wrecked right now. They're wrecked. Now, Andrew Womack has been teaching the truth and other people. I never did, I've never taught on grace, I don't think. But I've always taught on no condemnation. You know, it's, it's, it's just another way of saying it. We're free. We're free. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Well, preachers are afraid if they don't whack you that you're going to go out and do some of it. So they want to scare you and wreck you. And it's like, okay, that worked a little bit. You can still have church with that. But it's not Bible. It's not gospel. Are you all good? That was good. That was good. We're going to receive our midweek tithes and offerings. We're going to have another one of them $5,400 week, $5, weeks. They're all over us. You know what we say? You ought to say this. When you give your offering, there's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> it wasn't the end of anything. There's plenty more where that came from. That's what I'd say about $5,400. There's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. It's better than we thought, and we've been thinking it was pretty good here at River Church, and it's better yet. Thank you, Matthew Smith, for being a trooper in big church. We appreciate you, and we really do.